Well, good evening, everyone. I'm John Kelly. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. Tonight's show is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. The Blues idle tonight, as you would expect. Tomorrow night, they continue their four-game homestand against the Chicago Blackhawks. Right now, Craig Bruby's club sits in first place in the Central, first in the West, as a matter of fact, with a record of 19-8-6, 44 points, one point ahead of second place Colorado. The Avalanche, by the way, do play tonight at home against New Jersey. Coach, last night your club beats Vegas 4-2 and snaps a season-long three-game losing streak, a 4-2 victory as Schwartz gets the game winner. And obviously no team wants to go through a bit of a slump and obviously a little bit of adversity, but it was nice to get a win last night before the home folks. Yeah, it was for sure. Um, you know, you know, we played pretty good. I mean, there was things we got to do better, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, the three-game three losing streak, uh, just not sharp, you know, and probably probably all three games uh, just going through a little uh, uh, spell right now where you know it's it's tough for it's tough sledding right now and we got to work our way out of it and um, I thought we did a better job last night in the game of uh, grinding it out and um, getting the win but you know these are kind of dog days for us right now and that's what we're feeling a little bit what do you mean by the dog days coach well they normally come in January and February <clears throat> but being that we played so long, obviously in the cup, and we win, um, you know, we got off to a real good start. You know, I thought the first two months of hockey were, was really, you know, played well for the most part. But now we're just—it seems like we kind of probably hit a wall a little bit, and this is where you got to just grind it out, and you got to like, you know, you got to just. You got to simplify your game. You, you might not. You might not feel like you got the jump every night, and it's just really going to take a real team effort here out for a while to get through it. So, at times at this uh, juncture of the season, is it a case of getting ready mentally and physically, and ramping up your game to match your opponents, who, as we know, your club has a target on your back. Well, yeah, and that's why it's mental more than physical. It's just a mental grind right now. But uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you're a pro athlete and you paid to play so you got to pull you know you got to do the job uh you know we'll we'll as a coach and staff we'll make sure we're staying on these guys and uh, trying to get them try to get them going coach i know after last night's 4-2 victory in the press conference uh, obviously you were happy with the win but a couple of times you mentioned we have to get better we have to be better what do you mean by that well, we're just giving opportunities up that are unnecessary. You know, they're breakdowns that shouldn't happen. And I, t I get teams get scoring chances because they're good players and they're talented. But the ones we, you know, just some of the ones we're giving up uh, defensively are just uh, unacceptable. Coach, I know that uh, the Blues prior to last night had only scored four goals in the three losses. And uh, you were bemoaning the fact last week you're missing the net too much with some a quality chances. Did you feel you were more opportunistic last night? Yeah, we were better. We didn't miss in that a whole lot, and <clears throat> we had a better net front presence, which is important. We got to get to the net a little bit more. And yeah, you know, Sunquist is at the net. He tips one in. Just goals like that, they're important. Um, we just got to do a better job of that. All right, Craig Bruby, let's go back. Um, last week, the Blues, of course, home to Toronto, a 5-2 loss. Barbashev and David Perron with the Blues goals, but uh, anytime you're down 4-1 after one, it's not a good thing. Was it a case of the Leafs really coming out flying or your club not 
sort of measuring up in that first period? I didn't feel the Leafs came out flying, to be honest with you. If you looked at the first five minutes of that game, we had some real good opportunities. Uh, you know, we actually looked pretty good. I just think that they we had a couple uh, turnovers and they, they scored on their opportunities and we didn't. That's what it boils down to. But, you know, in saying that, like, listen, I can go and critique the game and say, well, we got to do this better, that better, this and that. But that's not the case. Like, it's hockey's like if you you get opportunities sometimes in games and they don't go in but you know we got to do a better job of not forcing things and I think that we ended up forcing things on Toronto and and it turned bad for us you know and just didn't play our game just because sometimes you get impatient in addition your goaltender Jordan Bennington pulled for the first time in the regular season allowing four goals and 11 shots was it more a case of trying to get you know the team's attention or was it just one of those nights for Jordan well both I think both I think you know it was one of those nights for Jordan and uh, you know I just wanted to try to shake it up a little bit with the team I could have left him in there but I didn't feel like you know that was going to do anybody good at that point so I pulled him and tried to get a response and see what would happen. But coach, big picture, it's the first time, as you know, he's lost two games in regulation in the regular season. That's a heck of a run for a young goalie. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, during the regular season, he lost two in a row in the playoffs, and, you know, he bounced back. I mean, it, I think it gets blown out of proportion, but, you know, I, them are all stats and stuff that people keep and look at. Coach, obviously down 4-1, but prior to the end of the period, it's 2-1, and your club has a power play, and you give up a shorthanded goal. In a way, you might look at that goal as the key goal in the hockey game. Definitely. Mistakes. That's what I'm talking about. Just mistakes like that that shouldn't happen. Uh, that shouldn't happen, and you know, it just it did, and you pay a price for it. And that's why that's why you lose the hockey game because you're careless. It's careless hockey. Yeah, were you careless with the puck too much against a highly skilled club? You know, giving pucks away at center and things like that. Definitely, that's how they that's how they score goals, and you know, we 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 fed right into you know their their the way they want to play, and uh, they capitalized on their chances. And we you know we had chances, like I said but we didn't capitalize on any of them. All right, Coach, after Saturday's loss, your club on the road for one. Tuesday in Buffalo, a 5-2 loss. Buffalo had a couple of empty net goals. Troy Brower and Petrangelo get the goals for your club. Um, I know you talked the morning of the game in Buffalo about a better start, but Reinhardt scores 18 seconds in on a bit of a fluky play when the puck went off of David Perron. So, obviously, that's a tough start for your team. It is. It was a tough start, for sure, that first shift, and it goes in your net over, uh, you know, off a skate. But, you know, that happens. And you just, you know, I thought we recovered well from it, though. I, I didn't think we were that bad. I thought we, um, you know, came back in that game. And again, it's just, uh, you know, just a terrible mistake all around on the Eichel goal, the game-winning goal. Now you're down 3-2. That game could have went to overtime 2-2, and who knows, right? So we, we, in my opinion, we lost a point in that game. That game should have went, we should have had that game wrapped up with a tie at least. That should never have given that Eichel goal up. Yeah, he obviously is the most dangerous player on Buffalo, and, and on the play, he sort of swoops out of the corner, and I know Thomas was there, Dunn and Petro on the fence. Uh, was it a case of, you know, each player thinking, well, the other guy has him and nobody had him? Yeah, and maybe no talk, no communication, uh, and just not having an aggressive mindset. Just so much, I don't care who it was, go at the guy. Just go at him. And um, normally we do that, but we didn't. 
On the good side, um, obviously you lose the hockey game, and, and that's the bottom line, but Petrangelo gets his seventh of the year, 100th goal of his career. Only Al McKinnis among Blues defensemen has scored more goals in a Blues uniform. He leads your team in shots and shot attempts. Does Petrangelo get enough credit for – we know he's a great offensive player all around, but does he get enough credit for his offense? Probably not. I think teams look at him or people look at him that he's a real good defensive defenseman you know and, and plays in all all situations but uh, he's a good offensive defenseman for sure you know like you said he shoots the puck a lot and he's up in the play a lot he creates a lot for other guys so he does a good job uh, the other positive in that game Jordan Kyra coming up first game this year played pretty well and Austin Pagansky the rookie out of North Dakota his first NHL game I know he got sent down last night but uh, your thoughts on Kyra now with two games and Pagansky with his first NHL game yeah um, Jordan Kyra's played well for two games I think he's uh, competitive out there he's, you know, obviously his skating and his quickness are are the keys for him he has you know high-end skating ability and hands but uh, what I really like is his competitiveness he's really competing he's getting in there he's winning puck battles and that's what he's got to do and he'll be a good player no question about it. All right, last night, Coach, again, the Blues knock off Vegas 4-2. to McEachern, Sundquist, Schwartz, and Thomas with the goals. You snap your three-game losing streak, but it looked like Oscar Sundquist, who had missed six games with the lower body injury, he really gave your hockey club a spark last night. He was marvelous. Yeah, he was great. He just wills his way everywhere out there and so aggressive and strong. And I thought he was the key to the win, to be honest with you, him and Jordan Biddington. Like, when you have a guy like that, you know, creating creating and, and um, just bringing energy to your lineup. It's a big thing. Coach, can you talk about Sundquist's development? Of course, picked up in the trade from Pittsburgh for Ryan Reeves. You also got a first round. It looks like a great trade. Obviously, nothing against Ryan Reeves, a very good player. But Sundquist has really evolved into one of your key players. So why has he been able to do that? Well, confidence is obviously the biggest reason. I think that uh, <clears throat> he feels confident uh, right now. And, um, you know, last year, um, I can't remember when, but, you know, just giving him more of an opportunity and he took it and you know and he's never looked back that's really what it boils down to um, we we gave him an opportunity to have more here and he took it and he and now he's even gonna get more and more the way he's going like he's he looks unstoppable to me right now so you know we'll, we'll keep him going and you know he's gonna get uh, better opportunities here down the road yeah obviously coach your team was down two to one last night giving up a few breakaways odd man rushes your goaltender was great but it seemed like in that second period your team really ramped it up and was was very sharp in the second period with three goals was there a message from you or the leaders between periods well I just went in and I said listen we're a lot better than this like we can't go and play like this I don't understand why we did in the first period I really don't get that but uh, you know I basically challenged them to be better and they did they came out and responded really well and ended up you know getting three goals which is key and uh, we won the hockey game because of it it seemed like uh, at times Vegas used that long cross ice pass to get you know odd man rushes or breakaways is that something that uh, you guys can do better in, in, down the road well we definitely got caught on three of them and um, you know it's uh partially a forward and, and a D like both of them not communicating not f picking the guy up you know just puck watching and leaving that guy alone and they they, uh, they took advantage of it and burnt us on one of them 
And Jordan obviously was great stopping all the breakaways, including two from Tuck. You know, you see Jordan every day in, in practice, Coach. Is that something that he really works on a lot, on, you know, shootouts and breakaways in practice to make him better? Well, we work on him. Uh, Davey uh, does a lot of that stuff with the guys and, and his goalies uh, at the end of practice. So he it's a he loves challenges, Benner. He's a, he loves that kind of stuff, and uh, he obviously thrives on it. Coach, you had Robert Thomas back at center last night. Uh, he's been sort of back and forth between center and wing. Um, short term, is he going to stay at center? Well, right now, I liked his game last night. He got a goal, but I thought he was he was pretty solid all around in his game. So we'll leave him there for now and just kind of see how it goes. I mean, I you know I got guys coming back in the lineup, so I'm going to have to do some juggling too. Okay, could one of those guys be Alexander Steen? It, it could be. He might be ready to go tomorrow. Okay, what does he bring to the team on and off the ice? Well, leadership for sure, and just um, you know. He's played a long time, been a real good two-way player for a long time in this league. So you could get a lot of different things from him. But, um, you know, we we, we basically use them as a, a checker and a penalty killer and things like that. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, he, he can bring anything to any line. You know, he can move up and down your lineup. All right, Coach, the Blues. Home to Chicago tomorrow. You beat them in Chicago back on December 2nd, 4-0. It's a second of four. Always a big night to face Chicago. But I would think, knowing that they have the likes of DeBrinkit and Kane and even Taves, who isn't having the year he had last year, but they're still a very dangerous club. And I would think, like the game last night, puck possession, puck management is key against them. Well, definitely it is. Uh, you, you don't want to have, you don't want let them have the puck. Um, us hanging on to the puck and keeping it is crucial because uh, when they get it, they're dangerous. Like you said, Kane, Debrinket, Taze, they're good players and they can make, they can burn you. So we got to do a real good job tomorrow when we have that puck and keep it and manage it. And then when we don't have it, I mean, you got to do a good job with those guys out there defensively. And finally, Coach, Monday, I know looking ahead here, the Avalanche come to town, but it's a huge game. Right now, they sit only a point behind the St. Louis Blues. They do play tonight, as we said, against New Jersey. But you've had great success against the Avalanche in the last couple of years. You beat them earlier this year. But they can skate, especially McKinnon. So what's going to be the key on Monday? Well, yeah, they take care of those big boys, right? They got a few of them over there. They're they're a good team, that's for sure. I mean, they've done a great job there of building that team up, and uh, they're uh, they're competitive now. They're right there, you know, obviously one point behind us. But uh, you know, when you play these guys, we've done a good job of it so far. As um, we're really key on McKinnon and do a good job against him. Uh, he's their engine, and he makes them go. And I think our guys have done a real good job of just containing him and keeping him to the outside as much as possible and and when he's out there five guys are in the checking uh, mode and and doing a good job there because you have to be because if you're not they'll burn you like he's that good yeah he's really good I don't know put you on the spot but is he top five in the league as far as dangerous players and skaters and, and offensive abilities? Yeah, he's probably the best in the league, in my opinion. Like, close to it. Like, one of them, him and McDavid, for sure, are one, two in the league with uh, skating and the and the ability to, you know, take people wide and make a play or with high speed with a puck. They're, I'm not sure there's the two guys, they're the two guys for me with when they have the puck are the most dangerous players in the league. Yeah, no question. All right, Coach, good luck tomorrow night against Chicago. Thank you very much, J.K. All right, that's the head coach, Craig Rui, coming up next on Behind the Bench. We'll talk to former NHL goalie St. Louis and Mike McKenna. That is coming up right now after this on 101 ESPN. 
And welcome back to Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. I'm John Kelly. We're joined by longtime goaltender from St. Louis, Mike McKenna, just retired last year after 14 years playing professional hockey. And Mike is now a studio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights. And obviously from St. Louis, his dad is an off-ice official here. His late grandfather was a longtime referee in St. Louis and an off-ice official. So I guess, Mike, to become a goaltender and now an analyst in TV, and be in the hockey business it's sort of just natural for you well what a road it's been though I almost I never expected this in any way it was amazing that it could have happened thinking you know when when you were a kid here too and playing hockey nobody made it to the NHL it had never happened so uh, I just played hockey because I loved it I had the family background with it with my dad and grandfather and it kept progressing and next thing you know it's 14 years of pro hockey which I would have never expected playing in the NHL so lucky to do that and then to end up in broadcast Casting is another dream come true. I'd always wanted to have this opportunity, and I didn't think it was possible because you need some notoriety and you got to be good at it. So, um, luckily enough, Vegas believed in me, and here I am. Now I'm talking about hockey, and I get to put the pads on occasionally just for the fun of it now instead of having to worry about going out and having all that perf- performance anxiety and all the things that go with being a professional goaltender. So, Mike, obviously you grew up here in St. Louis. Where did you play with Minor Hockey Association? And when did you first feel that you might go further than you first anticipated? I grew up in Manchester, played at Kirkwood. So I was at Kirkwood as, as a youth hockey player. I played at Parkway South for two seasons, freshman, sophomore year. Uh, and then I played a season with the AAA Blues here when I was 15 in Bantams. So that was my, my youth hockey. I did. I actually spent one year at Creve Corps, too. Uh, we had a log jam at Kirkwood at the AA level. So I had to go, go over to the, across the aisle a little bit there. Um, so played for them. And then got the break to go play junior A when I was 16 in Springfield, Illinois in the North American Hockey League, which again was somewhat of an unexpected move. Bantam AAA went really well for me and I only played one year of it. So there was no anticipation for what could happen and there'd been no blueprint on how to make it. Uh, So even then going to junior, it was just the next step. And then the next thing you know, it was college. And then it started to go on the radar that, hey, like, this is high level, you know, this is division one. These are good players. Uh, And then I was drafted after my freshman year. And I think that's really the turning point where I thought this could turn into a profession if I really work at it. And if I catch the right breaks and, you know, here we are 17 or 18 years later and that happened. And to say that you've been around is an understatement. Mike (laughs) McKenna, he played 14 years pro hockey, nine, nine different NHL teams. You dress for seven. And you spent 15 years or with 15 different minor league teams. Um, tell me about the journey and what it was like for you to, to be in all these different places, um, sometimes two and three different spots a year. We, can, we could do, a, do an epic on this, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could do a three-part odyssey on it, but it's just how my career evolved. I never expected that. I was only traded twice, and that was later in my career. My last three seasons, it happened twice. So most of those call-ups or those changes in teams were just call-ups, you know, within organizations. So American League to NHL, when I was very young, ECHL to AHL. So those things kind of happened organically. It did wear on me over time. There was enough. Uh, it, you can only pack a U-Haul. Tetris style so many times before you eventually get sick of doing that. But I look back on all the moves and all the places I played 
And I'm thankful for it, though, because I made so many friends all across North America, across the world. Think about where hockey players come from now. I can drop a pin almost anywhere, it seems like, and, and have a friend who I played with. So uh, really fortunate, made a lot of friends, and experienced a, a whole lot of the world that I would have never expected. And I assume that you're married with kids, right, Mike? Yeah. Th- yes. Yeah. I've got. Uh, I'm married and have uh, three and a half year old, six year old daughters. Two of them. Uh, the oldest one dreams of being a goaltender, which my wife is not happy about. She's had to deal with me long enough and everything that goes with it. Uh, and the youngest one's still figuring out her way. But yeah, they they moved around quite a bit. Last year, my daughter was in three kindergartens, so <laughs> we've experienced the experienced the hockey life to its fullest. Yeah, obviously, and to play for 15 different minor league teams, um, what was it like coming home some days, and I don't know your wife, but saying, hey, honey, we're moving again. Um, She must be a saint. Yeah, you know, thankfully, though, most of those moves didn't involve actually uprooting the whole family. A lot of those were just simply... Hey, I'm going away for a while here, you know. Uh, I, I'm I got called up, so I don't know when I'm going to see you again. So, and that's actually harder when you move the whole family and you know that there's an end date to things. It's much simpler, you know. Being away is manageable when you know when it starts and ends. When you get called up to a team above you. It's open-ended. You never know how long you're going to be there. And you're trying to figure things out. And do I bring them in? Do I not? And, and we just kind of rolled with it. It was easier when it was just us and our dog. Uh, as we got older and our kids were involved, though, it did. It started to be really difficult. And those things wear on you as you get older. And um, it was part of the reason why I decided that I think I've had enough and I'm ready to, to stop playing. It was, it was on my terms, and that had a lot to do with it. But was there ever a time during the journey where you said, you know, this is enough, I'm done, or was there a low point? There were definitely low points, but it never brought me to the edge of thinking I didn't want to play hockey any longer. It was still my passion. It was still my my greatest form of employment, most beneficial to me, too. So um, I'd be lying to tell you if there wasn't a monetary aspect to that. I mean, I have my college degree, but I'm going to be starting over if I had to do something else, right? So uh, I can remember one year, though, I had a uh, not just myself. Our whole team had a miserable season in Albany and thinking, I may not get another contract or I may have to go to Europe. And I got a lifeline that summer from the Senators organization and ended up in Binghamton that season. And it, I had a really good year. And from that point forward, my career just kept going again. So there were definitely low points. Uh, I remember a call up to Milwaukee in the American Hockey League when I was playing previously in Vegas in the ECHL. And I allowed three goals on four shots. I got pulled after 12 minutes. And I thought, I'm never, ever going to play in the American League again, much less the NHL and walked out of the building like just in tears. I was so upset and the goals hadn't even been that bad, but there were three of them on four shots. And, you know, lo and behold, I ended up getting called up again that season in the A. And then the next year I was in the AHL full time. So and then, you know, go on later. I play three dozen NHL games. So it, it just shows if you keep working, you can still have an opportunity, but you need some luck and people to believe in you. Did you get a chance to play against the Blues? I did. I played one game when I was with the Devils. We came in here um, probably 2011 or 2010, I guess that would have been. Uh, we lost 3-1, to one, and I could tell you every goal. <laughs> Petrangelo scored on a scrum. Uh, puck was underneath me. The ref didn't blow the whistle. He could still see it from behind the net. Petro swoop, swooped in from the blue line and put it in. Uh, Brewer pounded one off the boards, hit me in the backside, went in the net, and then Winchester deflected one in. 
So here's your goalie's mind, right, right. John? Like you, you remember these things. Uh, I can remember a lot of goals against, um, but I remember that was the most difficult game I ever prepared for. Uh, the emotions for me of thinking, you talked about my grandpa, thinking about what he meant to me, uh, to our whole family in this arena, in the old arena, uh, it, it was it was tough to prepare for. I didn't sleep that day. I had a ton of friends coming in, um, but it was cool. I'm glad it happened. I'm also glad I didn't have to do it very often. <laughs> yeah, of course. So do you remember much about the old arena, if anything? I grew up there, it feels like, you know, much like you. I, I remember the cats downstairs. Yeah. I remember the lingering smell of smoke. I remember how those stands would sway back and forth. And when the, the Blackhawks and the Red Wings came to town, you had to have your head on a swivel in the stands because you never knew what was going to happen. I remember all that. I remember Brett Hull scoring 86 goals and Curtis Joseph coming out of nowhere and being the greatest goalie I'd seen and uh, all those things. They're so vivid in my memory and, and really made me the hockey fan that I was and made me want to pursue this. So we're talking to Mike McKenna, longtime NHL goaltender, longtime minor league goaltender, and now a studio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, we talked about your career and growing up in St. Louis. So how did you become a broadcaster for the Golden Knights? It's, it's a funny story that I didn't even know they were looking for a person for this. And in this in this business, friends of friends or people find out that you might be available for something and somebody believes in you and uh, got a chance to audition for this, not really knowing what to expect and was offered it. And I just thought, this is incredible. You know, I mean, I, I had been trying to do everything I could to make this a career option when I finished playing. You know, I always took interviews seriously. I tried to do things in the community that would force myself to get out of my comfort zone, speaking in front of people, uh, hosting a podcast, you know, all these little things that I could do. Um, and in some ways they paid off, I guess, because how many people get to walk directly out of playing into having a role in the broadcasting world. Uh, so very, very lucky. Uh, and I, I have people to thank within the Vegas community for that. Um, but they believed in me. And, and that's that's just incredible. And it's a, it's a huge pat on the back. Well, you obviously speak very well. You know the game. And what's it like, though, to go to games on a nightly basis in Vegas, the the arena is only a block away from the strip. I mean, if people haven't been there, it's almost surreal. But what's it like to work there on a daily basis? And add in the fact I played in the ECHL there from 2005 to 7. Right. You know, a mile off the strip in the Orleans, which was like a C-level hotel casino. So right. it's it's totally different ballpark. Um, the game atmosphere is just incredible. To see how the city has embraced that team and adopted it, though, uh, in a completely non-traditional market is amazing. You can't drive anywhere without seeing uh, VGK stickers and license plates. And it's very much similar to how St. Louis has become since the Stanley Cup run, too, and seeing the, the visual signs of a winning hockey team. So that part's incredible. Um, it's been a, a ton of fun to be part of, and, and it's... It is surreal at times that we're playing hockey in Vegas on the strip like that. But I've really just enjoyed being a fan again. I, I was missing that for a long time. I mean, like while playing, you're playing. And you can be a casual fan, but now I can really intently watch hockey again, and it's great. Has there been any challenge so far going from player to broadcaster? 
For sure. It's a, it's a completely different challenge in animal. You have to learn a lot of things. As you know, it's, uh, it's not just showing up and, and hopping on the air. There's a ton of preparation involved and, and learning how to prepare efficiently. It's not necessarily the quantity of what you have, but how you present it. And so uh, for myself, a great example, at the beginning, I was just over preparing like crazy and trying to throw out a thousand facts and figures and describe every play. And you just learn how to streamline. And there's good and bad days. Uh, like anything in life, uh, but the more you do it, your com my comfort level has come, and and it's you know working with my my co-host on the air, our chemistry, all that starts to come, and it's, I've just really enjoyed the challenge of doing something different in life. For a long time, being a goalie is what defined me. As much as I tried to not let it. It was. I was a hockey goalie. <laughs> well, a lot of goalies have turned into pretty good analysts, Mike, as we know. I work with one. Yeah, you know some guy <laughs> named Pang, who's, he is the gold standard. And, yeah. and like, Pang is somebody who I always looked up to, though. Truthfully, I didn't think I could end up playing in the NHL. And I thought, well, maybe I could be a broadcaster if I can't play. And I, it's to be kind of in that same sentence and in, in that same club is just the coolest thing. But I think because we're goaltenders, and, and maybe Darren can attest to this too, we see everything in front of us when we play. So we naturally are analytical. We see the systems develop on the ice. We see the skill coming at us. And it served us well. There's an awful lot of us in media. Yeah, no question about it. Finally, Mike McKenna. Obviously, growing up in St. Louis, you had to be a Blues fan deep in your heart. What did you think of winning the Cup last year? Well, that's, the, that's a tricky question because when you play for so long, you, you lose your allegiance in some ways. There's still the hometown draw. I was still thrilled for my family and my friends who've lived and died and, and bled blue, as, as you know we all know. Uh, but for myself, there wasn't any personal satisfaction to it. Just because I'd been involved in the game so long and, and had friends on every different team, I'd kind of lost that fan aspect. But to see it for my, for my hometown, and again, my friends, and my friends on the Blues, some of which I was teammates with in Peoria, I mean, Schwartz and Jake Allen and these guys, so happy for them, you know? And anytime something special like that happens, you do feel a civic pride. You know, whether you have that affiliation with the team any longer or not, it's still there. You still have that hometown twinge of happiness. Absolutely. Mike McKenna, enjoyed the visit, and good luck um, in your new role here in Vegas. Thank you very much. It was always a pleasure. All right, that is Mike McKenna, longtime goaltender of St. Louis and now doing great work for the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll have much more coming up next right here on Behind the Bench. And welcome back Behind the Bench. I'm John Kelly here on 101. Again, tonight's show was brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. And our final guest tonight is Blues winger Troy Brower, of course, back with the club. He was with the team in 15-16. And, you know, Troy, just looking over your, your numbers and your bio, a seventh-round pick by Chicago back in 04, 214th overall, now in your 14th year. So I guess in a way you've beat the odds because seventh-rounders aren't supposed to play that many games. Uh, yeah, especially that year, too. Um, you know, Chicago had sold off a lot of their assets. I think we had 17 picks um, total 
role during that uh, that draft class. And so um, it's kind of an uphill battle when you know that there's a couple first rounders, a couple second rounders, all uh, a little bit ahead of you. But uh, I had a really good year in my last year in junior, um, and then coming into the AHL, had two real good years in the AHL, and and uh, really just kept pushing for a spot. And and uh, you know a little bit of timing helped the cause, and and uh, being able to play in Chicago when they needed um, some good young power forwards, and and uh, I was the guy that uh, fit the bill and, and have them look back. And of course you were a part of their Stanley Cup team in 2010 and I know there were a lot of great players like yourself that were traded after you guys won in 2010 and, and we certainly don't feel bad about that because <laughs> the rivals of course are the Blues but do you ever sit and wonder what would have happened had, had they kept that group together and of course they went on to win two more. Yeah, we, we do talk about it. Uh, mostly just the guys that got traded away and, and we're all such a close group even now um, that uh, you know we felt that we could have probably put together you know a couple more runs if not win a few more and and I know uh, the team went on to to win a couple more Stanley Cups without a couple of us but uh, um, it it was a special team and and you look at a lot of the guys that were on that team and and when they got traded uh, um, you know for cap reasons they all went on to different teams being you know first or second liners and and those were guys that were playing down in the lineup so that team was a really deep team really special team and and obviously a lot of good memories with it. So Troy Brower of course Blues fans know that you played one year at the club scored that big goal in the playoffs against Chicago, signed with Calgary, played two years with them last year in Florida, and you went back to camp this year thinking you might get another contract with Florida, correct? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I was talking with Florida all, all summer long. Uh, you know, Dale Talon was my GM in, in Chicago, and, and uh, Quinville was my coach there as well, so I, I thought I had a lot of good ties. Uh, I had a good season last year um, and, and wanted to go into a camp where I was familiar with everything, so you don't have to, you know, figure out uh, trainers and guys on the team and, and where to go eat and stuff like that and I knew there was a little bit uh, crunch for for um, numbers you know cap wise and and also body wise and but uh, I still thought it'd be you know maybe a good situation for me and and if I had a good camp crack the lineup but uh, it just wasn't to be and so um, you know I w- went back to Calgary tried to stay positive uh, kept working hard and and uh, skated with the junior team there the the Calgary hitmen and uh, those guys uh, you know made me stay in love with the game and and uh, realized how much that I missed it and, and wanted to work hard to get my way back. So you were thinking that there could be a shot with another NHL team? Yeah, um, even after uh, I, I got sent home, I, I talked to, um, I'll say a handful to, you know, five or six teams and, and uh, everyone was kind of um, wait and see, wait and see. Uh, There's a few injuries here and there. There was, uh, you know, some RFAs and stuff like that that needed to be signed and worked out. And, and uh, um, you know, then it started to slowly get a little less and less and less and, and uh, um, there are some tough days where you think that uh, it's going to be over but uh, you know my family was so supportive and, and uh, they knew that uh, I still wanted to play and, and uh, my heart was still there and so um, they let me uh, you know to work out and, and do everything that I would normally do as if uh, you know I was still playing and, and as a result uh, I was able to, to come here and, and have another shot. You're sort of overlooking a key point though Troy. I mean <laughs> right place right time right you've heard of that mm-hmm. and we were in Calgary, you know, early November, and you decided to come down to the morning skate, and lo and behold, Doug Armstrong was there, and what happened? Um, you know what? I, I had a couple guys over for uh, dinner on Thursday. Uh, went out for lunch with a couple guys on Friday, and the game was on Saturday, and so um, normally I bring my son down to uh, the morning skates just because he loves watching the guys, and, and they take him in the dressing room, and he loves the gum, so the guys give him <laughs> gum. And, <laughs> um, so that was, uh, that was kind of the idea behind it, but that morning my son, for whatever reason, didn't want to go down. So I wasn't even, 
I, I was thinking it might not even come down to the rink. Um, but then there's a bunch of trainers and, and uh, um, a couple other guys on the team that I haven't seen. And, and so I wanted to come down and, and see those guys. And I'm glad I did because uh, one of the first people that I saw was uh, Panger and, and uh, Army. And they're sitting in the stands. So I went and said hi. And, and uh, we just got to talking. And, and um you know, Doug said uh, that I, I looked like I was in great shape, and, and I told him that uh, you know I'd been skating with the junior team, and, and that I've been you know staying in shape, and maybe thinking about going to play for Team Canada in the Spangler Cup. I talked to Hockey Canada a little bit, and so um, as a result, uh, the next day he texted me and said, "Hey, would you, would you have time for a phone call?" And I, I kind of had an idea what it was, but uh, I didn't want to get too far ahead of myself. So it, uh, the next day he called me, and and then uh, I was on a plane on on Monday. And a 10-day professional tryout, as they call it. So basically, it's a 10-day audition with no games. You can't play in a game. So how tough is that to, to show the coaches and the management what you can still do without game action? Uh, it, it's rather difficult. Um, you know, the first day that uh, me and McGinn were in here, uh, um, I think it was a game day. And uh, we went out, we took morning skate, and, and then we got uh, we got skated pretty hard afterwards to, to see what our conditioning level was. And then um, the next day after that, the team didn't practice, so it was just me and McGinn and, and uh, uh, I think Costin was up at that point. So the three of us skated by ourselves, and, and then they had another game. And so um, I think I only had uh, two practices with the team. And so you got to make the most of those. Is, is you know, you got to. Um, you got to be moving well. You got to be feeling good. You got to have confidence out there, and it is tough because you know you're not going to get to play a game like in um, exhibition, and, and uh, so you got to you got to find other ways to show that uh, you can still play. And, and so it's battling hard in the corners, uh, you know, battling for loose pucks when we do battle drills, and, and trying to score whenever you have opportunities, and, and uh, hopefully you can turn enough heads that uh, you know you can get uh, a little bit more of a look. And of course, you got a contract, and Troy Brower got his first goal back with the Blues in <laughs> Buffalo and uh, lately playing with Robert Thomas. Uh, how have you uh, thought things have gone for yourself so far in the first month? Um, you know, I think it's been pretty good. Uh, you know, the first handful of games, just trying to keep it simple, you know, not make too many mistakes, not uh, get get out of my comfort zone, I'll, I'll say, and, and just uh, just do things that will make me and my line mates successful. And, and uh, you know, the last couple of games, I've got a little bit more confidence, was able to score a goal the other night, which always gives you more confidence. And, um, you know, make a few more plays, hold on to the puck a little bit longer, um, and I feel more now that I'm uh, in in more mid-season form um, and, and catching up to the guys where you know they've been playing for you know three months straight, uh, including training camp, and, and uh, um, you know I feel like I'm I'm kind of at that level now. Is that uh, you know I can hold on to the puck, make some plays. Um, do uh, do what I would normally do at this time in the season uh, if I was playing the entire year. So, Troy, what was it like walking back into the locker room for the first time about a month ago? And basically, you knew half the team, <laughs> but half the guys are are new from when you left in 16. You know what? It, it actually made it really easy just because, uh, you know, knowing uh, half the guys on the team so well, um, you know, having a good playoff run, which always solidifies uh, really good friendships. And, and uh, you know, the guys here were, were awesome the year that I was here, but uh, like, 
like on any team, you're going to have new guys, you're going to have turnover, and um, you know all the new guys that uh, are here since I've been here. It's uh, they're awesome guys. Like uh, you're hard pressed to find a bad hockey guy, and um, you know this team's no different. It is uh, right away they made me feel welcome. Um, you know even me being a little bit older guy, you're, you're still trying to figure out where your place is in the team, and and uh, you know how you can joke around and treat certain guys, and and uh, uh, guys were awesome with me. The younger guys were coming up talking to me even before I went and approached them and and uh, just shows you um, you know the culture that's in this dressing room and and uh, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of what were your preconceived notions um of Craig Berube because he obviously was a hard-nosed player. You're a hard-nosed player. I would think the relationship is pretty good and he likes your style. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I think that obviously helped my uh, my situation is uh, him knowing that uh, that's the style of game that I like to play and, and uh, him being around the league for, uh, for a while um, and me being around for quite a while, you know, I think he had a little bit uh, um, more info on me and, and kind of knew about me a little bit more than just, you know, who is this guy when he was coming in for the PTO and so, um, um, you know, me and him have had some good conversations, and, and uh, um, you know, it's he 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 demands a lot out of the guys, and, and uh, you know, he wants uh, everyone to you know uh, be able to produce it at their highest level, and that's uh, the talents of what coaches do. And, and uh, but he also wants you to play smart and play hard, and, and uh, those are two staples of my game, um, night in and night out. And, and uh, you know, I feel like that. Um, just uh, hopefully gives me um, you know some recognition and uh, some appreciation I guess (laughs) yeah obviously Troy what was it like for you a former blue now a current blue again of course but watching this team win the cup last year it was awesome Um, you know I was talking to the guys uh, the last time I was here and and, uh, even in the summer um, afterwards with me me and Steena went golfing and and, uh, we were talking about the Stanley Cup and and the run and and how it how it's so hard to describe to people um, until you actually go through it and you actually win it and and you can tell as many stories about the good good games and and good days and as many stories about the bad days and and bad games but uh, until you actually go through it and and succeed and win um, nobody really gets a full grasp of exactly what it takes and exactly how um, the team puts it together and pulls it off I guess you could say and and so um, you know, me and me and Steena were saying that uh, you know you want that feeling and you want that uh, that uh, just excitement and enjoyment for for everyone that you played with and all your friends. But uh, obviously, the competitive guys that we are, we want to win it every year. No question. Finally, Troy Brower. Of course, you're known in St. Louis as scoring the goal <laughs> in 16 um, to beat your former team, a 3-2 win in Game Seven against Chicago. I think at that time we felt that could be the year the Blues could go on, but of course they lost to San Jose. So now that you're back in St. Louis, how often are you asked about the goal? <laughs> Pretty much every time that uh, I talk to somebody on the street or, or you know, or very early on with uh, interviews and stuff like that, uh, that was a big part of it. And, and uh, you know, that's a goal that I, I'm really proud to be a part of. Um, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, that year in St. Louis. And, and uh, for me, you know, obviously a little bit more special uh, against my old team and, and to be able to help uh, the Blues kind of get into that second round and, and uh, uh, you know, start uh, the process of, of um, you know the guys learning and all of us learning uh, how to win in the playoffs and, and what it takes and, and uh, it, it was a fun experience and it's uh, definitely one of uh, my most memorable memorable goals that I've scored. And it's a good thing you hit the post because you got a second <laughs> chance at it, right? Yeah, maybe even a third chance too. <laughs> I always I try and tell people as much as I can. Is um, you know, Faz made a great pass over and, and I uh, I got it and I'm like, oh, this is going in. Hit the post. I'm like, oh no, and I kind. 
kind of handcuffed me a little bit and then uh, I had to adjust my feet to try and swipe it in and, and uh, just it went in and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> hey, Troy, enjoy the visit. Thank you for your time. Good luck tomorrow against Chicago. No problem. Thanks, JK. Okay. That is Blues winger Troy Brower, our guest, along with uh, Mike McKenna earlier. Of course, also thanks to the coach, Craig Bruby. That's another edition of Behind the Bench. I'm John Kelly. Have a great night, everyone.